I've been through time so bad Lost all the joy I had Now there is something I'm trying to say Purify me and help me to see Just like pure gold refined I can be made to shine Be more like Jesus and less like me You know the things I'm longing to be I hope that it's showing I want to be growing More like Jesus and less like me More like Jesus and less like me More like Jesus and less like me Is a more of course, is more 
church on this Sunday morning. If you're glad you're in the house of the Lord, would you say amen? Oh, so glad that you and yours are here. Would you stand to your feet if you're able to here this morning? We're going to sing to the Lord this classic hymn of the faith titled, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. Sing together. I sing the mighty power of There's not a plant or flower 
may be seated. We're wondering if there's any first-time guests in the house. If you're a first-time guest, would you raise your hand up in the air? Leave it in the air. One of our ushers will give you a visitor's card, and you can fill out that visitor's card and put it in the offering as your offering later on in the service. So glad that you're here. Brother Jim, did you know? Amen. Good morning. Isaiah 53, we'll be looking at just a few verses. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The call to worship is in Isaiah 53. Even though he was despised and rejected of men, yet he still bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. There's a call to worship because even though we hid our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Yet he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. There's a call to worship because we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Yet the chastisement of our peace was upon him. His pain produced our peace with God. And with his stripes we are healed. There's a call to worship because all we like sheep have gone astray. And we have turned every one to his own way. Yet the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's the vicarious atonement. There's a call to wish, uh, worship because he was cut out of the land of the living. Yet for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He was stricken by God for us. There is a call to worship because it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, the second death is the death of the soul. That's what Jesus experienced in our place. Someone said salvation is free, but salvation is not cheap. There's a call to worship because he shall see, God the Father shall see of the travail of his soul, Jesus, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities, this transference of guilt from me to Jesus. There's a call to worship because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Father, forgive them. First Peter 3.18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. The innocent was punished as if guilty, that the guilty might be rewarded as if innocent. May we reflect on Fanny Crosby's song. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid him. Tell how he liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever I see. Here it is. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. Lord, we love you. and We worship you. That you became sin so that we could have your righteousness. We praise you that you willingly went to the cross 
to be bruised by the Father, and you were made an offering for our sin. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your blood, the ransom paid, and our Redeemer, you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you stand one more time? segment of my story for his glory. I've got here Annabelle. Hi, Annabelle. 
Many of you know her as one of the ensemble singers, choir member, and really to get started off, I gotta ask you, not only are you a choir member and you're an ensemble, you're also dating the pastor's son. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How is that? As we get started, how is it dating Pastor Stancil's oldest son? It is great and it's actually not as weird as people think. It's very normal. <laughs> I don't think I believe that. Anyway, thank you for letting us uh, spend some time here together as we uh, interview you. Part of your story. I know some of your story. I remember when you started coming to church a few yeah. years ago. And it's just so cool to see God's grace all over people. Absolutely. And so please share. Okay. Alrighty. So my story started when I was actually just about 10 years old. So I really didn't grow up in church and I didn't have a good understanding of baptism or anything like that. But um, ironically enough, I actually was baptized at an Easter Sunday morning service. Um, following that, unfortunately, there was just no growth and really no understanding of what it meant to be a follower of Christ, although I did go forward. Um, really, the years following that, I kind of went on to live, I guess, what you would call a normal life. Um, like I said, wasn't raised in church or anything like that. So church really wasn't a big priority for my family, unfortunately. Um, I had attended here and there, but just nothing really um, significant happened there. Um, I would say in my late teen years, um, early 20s, I did struggle a lot with depression and kind of just a, a very heavy emptiness about me. Um, I would try to use things like social gatherings and just hanging out with friends and, you know, just trying to maintain a social life and a, a working life to try to fill that void. But I just, obviously, as many of you know, that will just keep you coming up empty. Um, I was then invited again to church around the year, I want to say 2017, by my sister Danny, who um, went off and got married, and she actually met her husband at Single Vision, but um, around that time, she had surrendered her life, and I just remember it having a very big impact on my family. Um, I know that she must have been just praying for me relentlessly because I just ended up back at community kind of like over and over again, even though I couldn't really understand why. I just you know, kept getting invited, and I had visited a few times, so um, at that time, I still wasn't regularly attending, though. Nothing had really stuck for me, and um, I just wasn't searching very much around then. Um, I would say one big turning point for me was when I came home from a trip to Georgia. Um, it seemed like just a couple things, really bad things, one after another, just kept happening, and um, that definitely was a big turning point in my life because I kind of realized that I just had nothing left to lose and I just was struggling with this emptiness um, that I had just for years, I mean just a very long time. Um, so I used that as a turning point and I just, I really said this is going to be the last time that I give church or God or anything a chance. Um, when I did that, I just kept feeling like I was just being led back to church over and over again. and. I just kept regularly attending and I, people had asked like what brought me and I was like, you know, I, I can't really say, I just feel like this is exactly where I need to be. And I, I just couldn't really explain it, but the Holy Spirit was definitely just starting to work in my life. Um, uh, and then, so I realized after attending regularly for, I would say a couple weeks, maybe, um, maybe even a month or two, I had realized that I still was battling this emptiness and I was doing the things that, you know, a Christian should be doing. But at the end of the day, I just, I got down on my knees and I, I said to the Lord, I said, I don't have you in my life. I don't have you in my heart. And I asked Christ into my heart and I said, will you just take everything that I have because it's not worth it. I'm just 
still coming up so empty and I just, I just need something and I, I just needed him to just transform my life um, and really give me that fullness, that relationship that I was just craving so desperately. Um, following that, I would say that um, the, the next big thing that I struggled with was just God's will for my life. I knew that I was saved and I knew that I was kind of around the right people and things like that, but I just was really struggling to find out God's purpose for me. So I started getting counsel from people like Ms. Valerie and Ms. Sarah Lynn and just the young adults, and I would talk to them about it. And um, the one thing that Ms. Valerie suggested that I didn't really understand at the time was to get plugged in and just to start serving. And I kind of thought, okay, I'll, I'll try that. It didn't really click for me. But once I did, the Lord just revealed so many blessings and um, I got to sing in the choir and I got to, now I'm singing in the ensemble, which is just a huge blessing. And I got to start, um, serving in the bus ministry as well, which have all just definitely given me the sense of peace that I was looking for. Um, so yeah, um, I do want to piggyback a little bit off of Ryan Rockefeller's testimony from last week when he left us with a challenge to, um, you know, read our Bibles more and things like that. I would say if, if I wanted to leave you guys with a challenge, it would be to just really invest in your baby Christian friends because they are also at a turning point in their lives where they're making decisions to either hang out with crowd A or B, you know, the crowd that's going to keep them out of trouble and doing the right things or the crowd that, you know, is not going to unfortunately provide them with anything that's good. Um, so that was a big thing for me as well as just getting involved and just, yeah, the people that have invested in me, I just really love and appreciate this church so much. So. Thank you.
kind of hoping Brother John would just turn around and lead us all on that together because if you can say that you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you can also say it is well with your soul. And no matter what's going on around you, yesterday we, we learned that uh, when you know Christ and you live for Christ, there's going to come a day when that testimony is going to matter. And uh, yesterday we buried a wonderfully godly, sweet lady. And I'm going to tell you, it's easy to preach a funeral when you know somebody not only knew Jesus, but lived for Jesus. And uh, you saying, save, save, save. I hope you know that you're saved, saved, saved. Uh, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're thrilled to hear, have you today and looking forward to a great time. I'm still a little confused. How, how weird is it to actually be dating the pastors? I mean, do y'all think we have two heads or something? I'm not sure what's going on. He's a normal kid. We're normal people. You know. I still don't understand how my son got hurt, though. That's a, that's a, that's, I look at that, and I'm always amazed at grace right there. Well, I want you to pray for Austin and his family. Boy, I'm telling you, they know Jesus Christ in that home. And so while it was sad and sorrowful, we sorrow not as others have no hope. And so you pray for them. Continue to pray uh, for Miss Jane Nevitt. Continue to pray for Nancy Harris's family. And then I don't know if you've heard this or not, but uh, we have a lady that attended for quite a while. She's been sick for quite a while. But Joanne Penny, Joanne Penny went home to be with the Lord this week. And uh, Joanne's been sick for quite a while, on and off, in and out of the hospital. But uh, she passed away, so pray. There's very little family that she has. Uh, one niece and that family there, but let's lift them up in prayer. Let's stand together. Brother John, you lead us, please. You sing, Brother John, you lead. God bless you. We're glad you're here this morning.
said there's Jesus I scarce believe my eyes a man so badly beaten he barely looked alive the blood poured from his body from the thorns upon his brow running down the cross and falling to the ground I watched him as he struggled. I watched him as he fell. The cross came down upon his back. The crowd began to yell. In that moment, I felt such agony. 
In that moment I felt such loss And then a Roman soldier grabbed my arm and screamed I tried to resist him Then his hand reached for his sword So I knelt and I took The cross from the Lord I placed it on my shoulder And started down the street The blood that he'd been shedding Was running down my cheek they led us to Golgotha They drove nails deep in his feet and hands And yet upon the cross I heard him pray Father, forgive them Oh, never have I seen such love In any other eyes In thy hand I commit my spirit he prayed, and then he died. I stood for what seemed like years. I'd lost all sense of time. Then I felt two tiny hands holding tight to mine. My children stood there weeping. I heard the old say, Father, please forgive us The land ran away Daddy, Daddy, what have we seen here? There's so much that we don't understand I just took him in my arms We turned and faced the cross And then I said, dear children Watch the Watch the Lamb. Take your Bible this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Now we should be, uh, if we were staying on our target, we should be closing out Matthew 18. But this past week I had the privilege to preach in uh, Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. It's out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, preached a revival meeting. I preached eight times in four days. And uh, so my voice got a little wore out a little bit. But uh, uh, second night of that meeting... Uh, I did something you're not supposed to do in a revival meeting. Uh, that afternoon, I went back to the, uh, to the room, and I was working on sermons, and you always find a sermon that you've preached before. Normally, when I preach revival, I preach whatever I've preached here at community. I just preach there, and uh, that's what I did most of the time. But uh, that afternoon, I just could not get any peace 
uh, about what to preach. And so I sent the, the fellow a, a text, I'm going to preach this, but uh, I didn't have peace about it. I got back to the room that afternoon after being out with the pastor. And uh, I went back to my Bible and I began to work on a brand new message. And actually preached a brand new message that evening. And uh, never preached it before. It's based on a, a lesson. Some of you that have signed up for our Disciples Making Disciples uh, program uh, will get to it uh, several months from now. But uh, in that lesson that I studied about two and a half, three uh, weeks ago or so, uh, some principles were brought out that really began to work in my mind and heart. And, and I went back to my Bible and I began to work out and I preached that message. And so I was going to preach it here uh, somewhere down the road. But uh, just yesterday morning, I woke up with uh, an absolute burning uh, thought from the Lord that I'm to preach that message this morning. And so I'm preaching for the second time message that I developed last week. And it's a message that I believe is going to help somebody because I believe that many believers struggle with their identity in Christ, their identity in Christ. In fact, when I preached this message on Tuesday night, I had two preachers that were visiting the service and they came up to me after the meeting and they said, uh, we talked about this the entire drive over this very subject of how many in our ministry are struggling, especially young people. And Annabelle alluded to it just a moment ago. They're trying to find out who they are and they're find, trying to find out who they are uh, in Christ. They're trying to find out who they are as a Christian and, and they struggle. And many of us struggle, many of us struggle because we really don't understand what it means to be in Christ. We're basing our uh, thought on the process with a performance-based Christianity. A performance-based Christianity. The more we do, the more God will love us. The more we do, the more God will accept us. Uh, the better we do, the more I'll be a saint. The worse we do, the more I'll be a sinner. And so let me give you uh, the thought this morning. We'll begin reading at verse number 14. I want to preach the message entitled, Who Are You? Who are you? Now, some of you just got a drumbeat in your mind, and I'll never get you back. But the rest of you, focus back in, okay? Begin reading 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Verse number 14, we're going to do our best this morning to answer the question, who are you? For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh... Yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of of God in him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, probably, very possibly a familiar verse to you. If we're in Christ, the Bible says 
that we are new, excuse me, new creatures. New creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help me to be a blessing. And Lord Jesus, I want to be a help. I believe in my own spiritual journey, just as Annabelle said, I remember those days of trying to figure it out and find out who I was and what I was and how I was going to live the Christian life and how I was going to overcome the sin of the past and the flesh that I have to dwell in. All those thoughts, Lord, and and Lord, just even throughout my my ministry, uh, those issues and battles. And Lord, thank you that you've helped me with this. And Lord, I pray this morning I'd help somebody really settle some things uh, that we might see how you see us, not how we see ourselves. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we would live uh, as we ought to live. And Lord, I pray you'd help us with that. Uh, This would be a truth that might revolutionize and change somebody's life if they would understand uh, how you truly love us and what you want for us and what you have for us. Bless now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if I ask the question, uh, where are you on the scale of saint to sinner, uh, you would give me an answer. Now, I better define what a saint is because some of you uh, don't know. A saint is someone who is sinless, holy, perfect, righteous. I'm looking around. We're not doing too good this morning, all right? A saint is someone who is sinless, holy, perfect, righteous. A sinner. Much more understandable, right? Someone who is sinful. Someone who's a failure. Someone who is imperfect and unrighteous. So if I said this morning, uh, where are you on the scale of saint to sinner? Sinner being sinful, saint being sinless. Where are you? Now, a saint would be a perfect ten. And we all strive to be perfect tens. Sinner would be a zero. A zero. And some of you are going to look at that and you're going to say, well, uh, I know what you're going to preach. And and you've already figured out that if we're in Christ, that Christ sees us, the imputed righteousness of Christ in us. So I know that you're going to preach that I'm a saint. But now I'm struggling with some things, maybe some things I'm looking at, maybe some things I'm thinking about. And, uh, you know, I I read my Bible a couple of times this week. I I witnessed somebody a couple of times. So I'm going to give myself a five. A five. And uh, some of you are really doing good. But, you know, there was a couple of times this week you got mad at the kids, got mad at the wife. So you're going to give yourself a seven, an eight. Now, before you give me your answer, I want to give you a quote that Dr. Agent Rogers gave. Dr. Agent Rogers said this, the me I see is the me I will be. The me I see is the me I'll be. And here's where most of us live. I'm saved, but I struggle, so I'm probably a three, a four, a five. Uh, you know, preacher, I'm, I'm really a strong Christian. I'm a seven, eight, but I mean, come on, a ten. That would mean someone who's perfect, sinless, righteous, and none of us are that. We're much more sinful, unrighteous. There is not 10 answers to this question. There are two answers to this question. There are only two answers to this question. There are not 10 answers to this question. You're not a two, a three. The only answer to this question is, I am a saint or I am a sinner. There is no other answer. 
Because if you're a sinner, you're unrighteous. You have no merit before God. Uh, if you're a saint, you have the imputed righteousness of Christ. And while he is perfect because his relationship with us through faith makes us perfect, you don't have a scale. You either are or you are not. You're either a saint or you're a sinner. So the answer is, if you're born again, you can say gladly and loudly, you can say, I'm a saint. If you're unsaved, no matter how hard you try, you're a sinner. So preacher, what do you mean? We do not understand, but this is how God sees us. There are only two people in the whole world. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. There are not good people or bad people, trying people, or people not trying, struggling, not struggling, efforting, not efforting. There are those who have accepted Christ and those who, are those who have rejected Christ. We are either saints or we are sinners. Your identity as a Christian is no longer based on your ability to meet God's standard. Your identity is based exclusively on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. End of story. You do not have an identity without Christ. Without Christ, you are lost before a holy God. With Christ, you have a new identity. And it is not based on what you have done or what you are doing or what you will do. It is based solely on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. My identity is established not in what I do, bless God, but what he's done, praise the Lord. I want you to get this. You are a child of God. Just as Jesus Christ is declared the Son of God by faith, you are a child of God. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, but as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When God sees you, he sees a child, a beloved son, a beloved daughter. You are in the family. You're not trying to get in. You're not trying to stay in. You're either in by grace or you're out by unbelief. You are a child of God. You're loved. Some of us struggle with that. We have abandoned Abandonment issues. We have abuse issues. We, we have a hard time giving and receiving love. You are loved. Amen. The Bible says I'm crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I live not Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. But God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world. You are loved. You're not second class. You're not some citizen trying to get in the family. You're a beloved child. Now I've got another one for you. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. You're not only a child of God. You're not only loved. But God wants you. He chose you. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, 
A holy nation. This is not for me or somebody else. This is for every born again child of God. You're chosen by God. A royal priesthood. A generation that he set apart to be holy. A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, God got you. God wants you. God loves you. And he's got a plan for you and a purpose for you. God wants to use you. Boy, Brother Mike, I don't know how many times in the last three or four days you've said this statement. Just bounce around in my mind. God puts people in the body who he chooses. God has a plan for every single one of you. It is a different plan, a peculiar plan, a special plan. But God wants to use you and do something great with you. And you have every access to God, every right to God, everything that anybody else ever has you have. Because God wants you to know that in him you are perfect and complete. I want you to say this with me. I know we're Baptist people and we get a little weird when we do some repeating after. But I want you to say this because some of you have never uttered these statements before. And I'm going to read them for you. But I want you to read them with me. All right. I want you to read this out loud. Number one, I am the righteousness of Christ. Say it with me. I am the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 I am a child of God. Romans 8, 15 and 16. I am forgiven. forgiven. 1 John 1, 9. I am a saint. Philippians 1, 1. I am set free from the chains of sin. Romans 6, 6 and 7. I am a masterpiece created on purpose. Ephesians. 210. I am a joint heir of the kingdom of God. Romans 8, 16 and 17. I am a royal priesthood. I am chosen. I am accepted. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. I am a vital part of the body of Christ. I am valued and loved. I am am a light to the world. I am am given eternal life. I I heard Kenny Baldwin say this years ago, you need to get this. Some of you need to live like you are, not like you were. See, Annabelle talked about confusion and frustration and not fitting in, and not belonging, and not having purpose, and not having plan. Listen, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, every one of those questions is answered because all of a sudden, God has moved you from lost to found, from sinner to saint, from unsaved to saved, and now every one of those questions is answered because of your relationship with Christ. And if you're struggling with that, when you're struggling with, I don't fit in, and I don't have a place, and I don't have a purpose, you're not understanding. You're living like you were, not like you are. You're complete and perfect in Christ. There is not one. Now, this is hard for some of us group this way. There is not one thing I will do or one thing I will not do that will make God love me any more or less. You better write that down. Some of you better write that down. There's not one thing you'll do or one thing you'll not do that will make God love you any more or less. Ryan, that is a beautiful black eye, by the way. 
just, I just, I just don't like me. And you hate Jesus. Because he made you. Masterpiece of creation. Well, I just don't, I just don't like my body. Well, I mean, now listen, Valerie made a good point the other night. If you're fat, lose weight. Everybody, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick. Most of us, if we'd get in better health, we'd stop being sick. I'm worried about COVID while you're chugging down a 64-inch Coke and chugging down a quarter pounder with cheese. You ain't worried about COVID. COVID ain't going to get you. Double quarter pounder with cheese is going to get you. Well, I got to take my mask off, smoke my cigarette. Listen, we're, we're not doing something right right there, all right, just so you know. But I don't like me. I don't like this. I don't know where I belong. I don't have, I got to have some external something to validate me. If Jesus Christ can't validate you, nobody, no thing, no nothing in the world can validate you. Woo! That's almost Baptocostal right there. Hey, if Jesus Christ can't validate you, she's not going to validate you. He's not going to validate you. If Jesus Christ can't complete you, no man, no woman, no thing, no place, no, no event, no possession. If Christ cannot validate you, then nothing in this world will validate you. And by the way, Christ would then be a liar. Because he says all these things in his word and you are these things by faith in Christ. Number two, I have a new identity. But I want you to know this, I have a new ability. I have a new ability. When you look at this, you find uh, Paul writing here in 2 Corinthians, he talks about that old man, and, and he talks about that new man, and he talks about that battle. Uh, when, I was, uh, uh, when I was younger in faith, I really struggled uh, with Paul over in the book of Romans, chapter number 7, because Paul said, for that which I uh, do not allow, uh, that I do. Uh, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law, that is good. Now then, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And you go on and read Romans 7, 15 through 25. And it's like Paul is in this battle. Uh, it's not really me doing it. It's the sin in me that's doing it. And I always kind of took that as a justification or a, a, an out for, for me committing sin. Well, it's not really me. It's just sin committing that. I'm not really doing that. I struggle with that. Because I, 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 I love what Paul said because I feel that all the time. Flip Wilson, some of y'all are too young to remember Flip Wilson, but Flip Wilson was a comedian back in the day, and he had a character named Geraldine. And Geraldine's big tagline was what? The devil made me do it. Wasn't me, the devil. And, and I feel like sometimes we as Christians, we say, well, you know, preacher, I just can't help myself. The devil made me do it. I've had people tell me, well, you know, I, I can't control my liquor. I'm an American Indian. I can't control my temper. I'm Irish. I can't do this. I'm Italian. I can't do that. I'm... So you have no control over anything you do. It's just your heritage. Well, that's what Christians do. Well, I don't really... I, you know, I just can't get victory over my sin because it's just, it's just so much there. Just that old flesh. Hmm. If I have a new identity, 
Now I have a new ability. So what is it? Well, if I have Christ in me, I have every promise that God gave. And those promises mean that not only am I saved by grace, but I can grow by grace. Um, look, what's this? Grace saves me from the penalty of sin. Grace also saves me from the power of sin. Praise God, one day grace will save me from the presence of sin. But I want you to understand, this is a process. It is transformational. It is life-changing. It is the, the process of sanctification. And while we were immediately saved uh, from the penalty of sin, we are being saved from the power of sin. If you and I are going to be those lights and those testimonies, those ambassadors for Christ, then we need to be understanding that part of what God gave us in our new identity is the ability, listen now, to live the victorious Christian life. To not live as we were. The lost man, yes, the lost man, his flesh controls him. The saved man has the Spirit of God. If he will yield himself to that control, the Spirit of God can control him. And the Bible says, when I do yield myself to the Spirit of God, then I do not have to be in control or be controlled by the lust of the flesh. So what, what, what is the process here? The process is that when we sin, we cannot excuse it. We must take responsibility for our actions. I acknowledge, who said this? Bible quiz. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. Mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Who said that? David. What did David say in Psalm 51? Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Listen, so many of us excuse, blame, shift. We make all kind of reasons and excuses of why we did this and why we do that. Watch this. I want you to get this. You need to get this. If social media was why you sin, then every one of us should be sinning. If the culture is why you sin, then every one of us should be sinning. Well, it's just not my fault. It's everywhere, preacher. We live in St. Pete. You can't help but see immodesty. If that's the case, then every person in here ought to be addicted and controlled by sin because we all see the same thing. It is not your location. It is not your background. It is not your, uh, your mama's fault, your daddy's fault, your brother's fault, your sister's fault. It is nobody's fault. When you sin, the only person that you need to deal with is the man or woman you look at in the mirror. David was a great sinner, but praise God, David was a great repenter. Saul was a great sinner, but a terrible repenter. God could use David. God couldn't use Saul because Saul would not take responsibility for his actions. If Boy, you're scared to death right now, aren't you, Steve? I like this. We took these rows out. I like this. Move around rows. If you will not take responsibility for your action, you are in for a horrible, horrible, horrible life. I tell this story. My kids, I told it the other night at the conference, and my kids, they said, Daddy, you got to quit telling these stories. <laughs> Y'all heard the story of, of I got caught with my girlfriend in high school, went to a Christian school, and uh, 
uh, we, 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 we uh, had lockers next to each other. And so one day between classes, we were getting our books, and I just leaned over and gave her a kiss. Well, somebody turned us into the Christian school principal, and so we went to the Christian school principal, and we sat in the chair there in Mr. Jennings' office, and uh, uh, Angie Cordell, Mama, Nikki remembers Angie Cordell, and, uh, and uh, Mr. Jennings said, uh, y'all have been turned in for kissing, and, 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 and uh, did you do that? I said, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh, did, yes, sir. And Angie Cordell, uh, Angie looked at me, and she said, uh, no, we didn't. God, it's true. I, I don't I exaggerate a lot. I know it. It's just true stories. God is my witness. I said, Angie, I kiss you square. I, I kiss you. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Mr. Jennings never said another word. Me and Angie get in a fight. <laughs> Angie, not only did I kiss you this time, I've kissed you a lot of times. This is just the first time we got caught. I don't know what you're doing. Nobody, no, I didn't do it. We went back and forth for five, five, ten minutes, arguing with each other that, yes, we did, we did. Now, I tell that story, and that is humorous. I got suspended for two or three days. She got, I got a week or two, uh, she got more, more trouble because she would not own up to it. And, I mean, I'm saying, yes, we did. So, it's like you got somebody turned us in, and I'm corroborating, so there was enough evidence. Like, yes, sir. Kissed her. Proud of it, too. Praise God. <laughs> Now, listen, I, I, th- that's funny, and, and, and I, I loved her to death, and I, I wish this story had a happy ending. Angie went on to ruin her life, and I'm, I'm, I'm not talking a little bit of ruin. I'm talking Christian school kid. She sang beautifully. beautifully. One of the best voices I've ever heard was a phenomenal athlete, played softball, basketball, uh, just wonderful. I mean, I, I really, you know how you have that sweet puppy love. But An- Angie went on to ruin her life to the place now that nobody knows where she's at. The last we heard, uh, she uh, walks the streets of Nashville. She's uh, out of her mind on, on dope and, and just a, a complete train wreck. I'm still very close friends to her sister and her mom and dad, and uh, they all love the Lord and, and you know, do well. And, and I, I tell you that story, and I, I hate telling it because I, I just do love her, and I wish the, she'd get some help and, and whatever, but her mind is, is now so messed up. But here's the deal. Angie always had a problem with taking responsibility. And, and Angie's not the only friend of mine that had a problem taking responsibility. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I was a great sinner. I did a lot of stuff. Mr. Ammon would have kicked me out of school multiple times. But if Mr. Ammon would have come to me and said, Brent, did you do this? I'd be, oh, yes, sir. And here's who I did it with. And here's what we did. And here's the stuff you don't know about. <laughs> That's just me. You're like, yeah, because I may do it, but I'm going to take ownership for it. Those that will not take ownership are damned. And I mean that. That's the hard word. To a life of continual suffering. Because once you own it, nobody else can. The devil said, you did that. Yes, sir. But I'm under the blood. It's all good. But if you hide it, the devil will beat you to death and guilt you to death. And that guilt will absolutely destroy your mind. By the way, everything reproduces of its own kind. Guilt only continues to reproduce guilt. Shame only continues to reproduce shame. And so when you don't own it, take responsibility. Number two, repent. 
Repent. Repent is a change of mind. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. Repent is a change of mind. Here's what we do. We, we, we get under conviction in the service. We come to the altar, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that again. And then we turn right around and go right back to the same place, the same people, the same things. And, and we continue this cycle of absolute, uh, just really it's a cycle of stupidity. I don't mean to use that word lightly, but it's a cycle of stupidity. We say, I'm sorry. We go do the same thing. We say, I'm sorry. We do the same thing. Listen, if you do the same thing, you get the same results. At some point, you've got to make a change and get different results because if you keep doing the same thing, over and over again and you expect different results that's just a form of insanity repentance is a change of mind it literally means a change of direction when I'm lost and I recognize my lost condition I don't keep going away from Christ I turn to Christ that's repentance away from my sin away from God no I'm going to God and so if I'm going to repent it's not just I'm sorry it's I'm sorry and I'm going to put some things in place Uh, let me give you help if you have trouble with your phone uh, get rid of your phone If you have trouble with your computer, by the way, you don't need all this garbage. I don't need all this garbage. And if this garbage is corrupting you, change what you're putting in so you can bless God. Change what you're getting out. But if you keep wallowing in the pit, you're going to keep coming up stinking like the hogs. I'm sorry. Not only am I sorry, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to change my friend zone. I'm going to change my my activity zone. I'm going to get around some people, uh, like Annabelle said, I'm going to get around some people that help me. If you keep, why am I struggling in the Christian life? Why am I struggling? You're hanging around a bunch of unsaved people. You're hanging around a bunch of carnal Christians. They care nothing for you. They are trying to take from you, wreck you, and ruin you. And then you wonder, why in the world do I struggle? I'll tell you why. You're surrounded by people that don't love God. You're doing things that don't please God. Do you think God is going to bless and honor you when you keep doing wrong? God forbid. Well, that's hard. Choose your heart. Hard either way. Choose your heart. Well, every time I get around her, I get negative. Stop getting around her. Well, she's my mama. <laughs> That's a hard one, sister. I'm with you. Number three, reflect. Some of you, you know why you got to be so busy? Because if you ever stopped and just did a little inventory, you'd be depressed. You'd be sad. The Bible says be still. Know that I'm God. What triggers you? Everybody's got a trigger. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a counselor. I don't want to be a counselor. By the way, I'm not a counselor. I'm a preacher of the word of God. Sometimes you need a counselor. That's not me. I'm a preacher. I didn't go to school for counseling. But if, if all of a sudden, how many of you figure out you have seasons now, I'm going to say this. Don't, don't think this wrong, ladies. But, but we know what a cycle is, right? So, ladies, you know this time you're going to have. Some of you, I can almost on a calendar tell you when you're going to spin out. Because there's an event. Spin out. Spin out. Do good about six months. Spin out. Do good about three months, spin out. You're, you're more regular than. 
Some of y'all coming back. I'll see you again in six months. I, I, why? Because there's something broken. This is symptomatic. This is not root. You know what? You know what the world is doing right now? Take a pill. Take a pill. Take a pill. Pills don't fix problems. Pills numb problems. Take a pill to get up. Take a pill to keep going. Take a pill to go down. Do it all over again. Why do you need a pill? There's a root. There's unforgiveness. There's bitterness. There's sin that you've not confessed, point number one. There's shame. There's guilt. And so you keep just wallowing back around. You've got to realize there is a trigger for this. I can tell you, listen, 25 years of pastoring, I can tell you, Mondays are not good for me. I know it. I know Mondays aren't good. That's not a joke. I just know Mondays are not good. Years ago, I said, I'm not doing anything valuable on Monday because Mondays are terrible. I'm emotionally, physically spent. So Monday's just a day in the office, a couple hours here and there, answering things, and then get out. Because if I make a decision on Monday, it's just not wise. But by the way, Tuesday's going to be better. I figured this out. It's a cycle. I know what's happening. If I go to Georgia, there were, there were three years when I would go home, to, when I'd go back to, to Michigan, I'd preach in Michigan after I left Michigan to go to Texas. Three years in a row, I'd go preach up there, I'd come back, I'd be depressed for weeks and weeks and weeks. I figured out, I, I'm, I'm still tied to some things over there. It wasn't about the third year in Texas that I finally severed all my Michigan ties as far as desire to go back. And I still have dear friends and all that, that's not what I'm talking about. But it, there was a desire there for what I thought would be that didn't happen. And so I struggled. So I figured out, why am I depressed? Well, it's because I go to this place. I'd go home to Georgia or Tennessee. I'd be out in the country. I'd come back to the city. And I'd be like, man, I missed the country. And for two or three weeks, I know when I come back off vacation, I want to be a farmer. <laughs> I, I want to sell everything and move to the country and just have a few cows. And, but then I, re- okay, that's just, that's a fantasy. That's not reality. Come back to work. There's a trigger. You, you got to stop and say, what, what is causing me to keep doing the same dumb thing over and over? Rise up. Now, I don't have anything here that, that I can give you that's just, wow, but I'm, I'm going to say it this way. If not now, when? If not you, who? At some point, you've just got to say, bless the Lord. Fat or skinny, rich or poor, good or bad, up or down, happy or sad. Look, I'm just going to live for God. I'm just going to do right. I mean, quit ye like men. Grow up. Wouldn't you like to say that to some people? Just grow up. Wouldn't you like to say this? Stop it. Quit it. Well, no, you're a baby. Grow up. If I were a counselor, that'd be like half my. (laughs) Give me $100. Grow the stink up. Shut up. Do right. I'm preaching to Mike this morning like he needs it. Carmel is just saying amen to death over here, you know. Live radically. You know that a believer that lives radically would set their world on fire around them. People would just come to work. Just Sharon Granger, the testimony is not of her family, not of her church. 
the testimonies of her co-workers yesterday. That was a radical Christian stop in the middle of the day against policy. Have prayer time. Live radically. Some of you are trying to be all cutting edge and cool. You are a sheep headed to slaughter. Along with the other 7 million billion people that live on this earth. You are not cool. You are not uh, separate. Uh, you are just following the herd into utter destruction. You look like, act like, smell like, talk like the world. And then you wonder, how's a Christian supposed to live? He's peculiar. He's different. He's separate. He's holy. He's righteous. He's God's child. He's been born again. He's got everything he needs. And you are living like you were, not like you are. And let me give you three things and I'm done. Number one. I have a new identity, I have a new ability, but I also have a new activity. I am, and you look at it, he says we're now ambassadors. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Matthew says we're the light of the world. We're going to go out there and burn bright. I am to go and tell, Mark 5, 19. I am to invite people to come and see, John 4. Come see a man that told, told me all ever I did. Is not this the Christ? I am called to answer and explain. To give an answer of the hope that lies within me. Listen, there is a world around us that needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are the person that God has placed in their life to make a difference. It is time. It is of necessity that you stop wallowing in the past. You stop wallowing in what you were. And you live as you are. You're a child of God that's been handed the, uh, the, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. As God has redeemed you to himself. You're going to go find someone else and bring them to God that they might redeem someone else to Christ and then as we redeem uh, each other to Christ then we can have redemption to each other you say we've got to make the world a better place get them to Jesus the only hope of this world is Jesus I was in a restaurant up in North Carolina part of being a disciple maker is just looking for opportunities talk to people about the Lord we have a thing that we do in our, in our group that some of you will do in your discipleship as we get into it. It's called Care, Prayer, and Share. Care, Prayer, and Share. Just looking for opportunities to care, have prayer, and if the Lord opens the door to share the gospel. We're eating at a restaurant, talking to Miss Valerie, Miss Rose, Jeff, Jim, sitting there talking, and the waitress came by. Her name was Dana. They were talking about some things. She saw the Easter invitation that Jeff had given her with the tip. And she said, I need to go to church. She said, me and my mama need to go to church. So Jeff was talking to her a little bit. And they started walking away. And I, I, I grabbed her attention. I said, Dana, is there something that I could stop right now and pray with you about? Now, you think that's weird. You think she'd be like, oh, I've never met her before in my life. She served me for a half an hour. I said, Dana, is there anything I can pray with you about? Without, I'm talking, Valerie's testifier back there. It wasn't a heartbeat. She said, my best friend and I, our relationship is frayed. We're estranged from each other. And she said, it's been on my heart lately so desperately to try to work this thing out and become friends again. And, and I said, Dana, let's stop and pray. What's your friend's name? And she told me, I think it was Ashley. I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, Ashley or something like that. And I said, dear Lord, and I prayed a 30, not 30 second, a 10 second prayer. And I said, Ashley, uh, these fellows here, and these were the local people. I said, these people will help you in any way you can. And I'm telling you, she was absolutely thunderstruck. You could tell it's on her heart. 
That same story can be told and you ask somebody and they'll say without missing a heartbeat, oh, pray for my son, he's in prison. Oh, pray for my marriage, pray for my family, pray for my daughter. And they will tell you people are broken, people are hurting, people need something. They're looking for everything. By, uh, they're, they're trying to do anything and everything to fill those empty voids and to make the pain go away. And bless God, you have the answer. But you're living like you were, not like you are. Nick went out here Monday. There's a guy sitting under the tree out here in his car just watching the building go up. Nick said, I've seen him out there weeks. He, he just takes his lunch break. He works over at AutoZone over just one street away. And Nick said, I've seen him out there just, just coming. He's just watching the By the way, I do the same thing. It's, it's fun to watch them build that. So Nick walked over to him and, and just started talking about the building and Within the next 20 minutes, Nick had opened his Bible and led the man to Christ, sitting in the parking lot under the oak tree. They're everywhere. But you'll never reach them living like you were. Last point, I'm done. John, make your way. This week, I was working on some things, and I had one of those thoughts. You know, the mind is such a terrible thing. I mean, opening your Bible and reading your Bible and have such... I can be preaching and have a crazy thought. Just, the devil is just such, a, such an enemy. And boy, the, the devil just put just, just such an awful thought in my mind. And before I could even really think of it, because this thought has been on my mind for about three and a half weeks, I thought, I am a child of God. I'm a saint. Saints don't do that. Here's why you struggle. Well, I'm a four. And if I'm a four, I'm, all, I'm pretty close to a zero. So I might as well do it anyway. The me you see is the me you'll be. I'm an ambassador. Ambassadors don't wallow in the pit. I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm a saint. I don't act like a sinner. In Bible college, I just got there just day one. John Cubis can testify this is, they have an opening assembly. Standing in the lobby. I mean, three years ago from that moment, three years from that moment, uh, two years probably from that moment, I was a reprobate drunk living on the beach in Panama City, absolutely a million miles from God. Put on a suit and tie, walked on the Bible college, and a man walked up to me and he said, Hello, preacher. I looked around. John Hamlin. Hello, preacher. Shook my hands. Good to have you on campus. I'm like, this guy's crazy. I ain't no preacher. First person ever called me a preacher. My friend John Hamlin. Hello, preacher. That's right, bless God, I am a preacher. You need to see yourself not as a sinner, struggling, struggling. You're a saint. True disciple is called to immediate Radical and costly obedience. That means you're going to have to live like you are, not like you were. Heavenly Father, this morning, oh, unto God, if we would get this in our soul. If we would get this in our soul, if we'd settle down and realize that we are saints, we are set apart, we are holy, we have been given a new identity. We have been given the ability to live victorious over sin, to forever, to forever banish 
the guilt and shame of our past. If Christ, if you can forgive us, if you can wash us and redeem us, we need to see ourselves as you see us, not as we see ourselves. And we have a new activity to tell the world, to tell the world. We need to live as we are, not as we were. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you do the work. All my heart, you asked. I believe very clearly you, you directed me to, to, to bring this for this day, this season. So now you do the work. Heads are but eyes are closed. Nobody looking around. If you just stay with me just a moment. I'm going to have John and Quinn and Grace play. and We'll be done here in just a second. If you're here this morning and the reason that you're not living as a saint is because you're still a sinner. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You don't, you don't know what that means to, to put your faith, to move from that lost crowd to that saved crowd, to that unrighteous crowd to that righteous crowd. You're working on it. You're trying to reform. You're trying to repent. You're trying to turn over a new leaf. You're trying to be religious. But you've never been born again by the Spirit of God. That's you this morning and, and you like me to pray with you about that? I'd like you to step out of your place and just come to the altar and say, Preacher, if I were to die today, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. This week, precious Sharon went home to be the Lord on Saturday. First part of the week, a crazed gunman went into a Boulder, Colorado grocery store and killed 10 people. Later that same week, a drunk driver driving down 4th Street here in St. Petersburg ran over and killed a pedestrian walking down the road. Your death is certain. And only faith in Christ gives you hope beyond this life. If you're here this morning, you don't know Christ, step out of your place. Come and meet me at the front. We'll take an open Bible and show you what it means to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. To claim your new identity in Christ. If you're a Christian this morning and you're here and you know you're saved. But you're living as you were, not as you are. Living as you were, not as you are. Not, not dealing with sin, confessing, repenting, reflecting. Living that radical Christian life. You step up this morning and claim the victory that is already yours. Already yours. Given you by the resurrected Christ. Let's stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Brother John, you sing. You step out of your place. You come. I'll meet you. I'll pray with you. I'll introduce someone to show you the Bible, the Word of God. You step out of your place, you come.
morning to have Joe and Diane and I had I had uh, Harry go write it down because I, I'm going to butcher it but Kajeki 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 Joe and Diane they're coming to join our church family and uh, these are some more of you Rochester New York people all right and uh, Tom Cindy uh, David Lloyd we're, we're getting we're getting a, a whole crowd of you now so we're thrilled love the Lord and excited to be here want to serve here and we had a sweet meeting the other day and just excited all God's people said Amen. We cannot wait for you to get to meet Joe and Diane and add them to our church family. We'll be having a new members class. I'll get Nicole. We'll get that. Make sure we get that announced pretty soon. We've got a good number uh, that's ready for that. You may be seated. Dr. Mills is going to receive our offering, and uh, then we'll make just an announcement or two and be dismissed. Give you some information about tonight as well. We do operatory prayers every time we take the offering. But I want you to hear an offertory prayer that I think is pretty extraordinary. David called together the people of God and was dedicating materials for the construction of the temple. He was going to turn that project over, his, over to his son Solomon. But he prays this dedication prayer, this offertory prayer. And I really want you to hear the words of a man who was said to be a man after God's own heart. First Chronicles 29 verses 
10 through 13. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And he said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, O God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. I'm not even going to try to pray like that. But if you heard that prayer, you understand why we give tithes and offerings. Almighty God is worthy. And as we give, we are showing our thankfulness for having such a God as he. Gentlemen, if you will come. Father, as we hear the very words of David, we say amen. Amen, O oh God, to your greatness, to the almightiness of our God. We give you thanks as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to just remind you that uh, we have a leadership conference coming up in just a couple of weeks, April the 10th. If you are in leadership in any of the ministries of Community Bible Baptist Church, you are not just invited to come, you are expected to come. There is a sign-up sheet on the uh, high boy tables in the coffee shop. We encourage you to sign up for our leadership conference coming up April the 10th. Well, good morning, church family. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning and didn't stay home? I feel like when you get that refill or something of coffee and you're trying to carry it back because it's so full and you're trying not to spill it, that's what I feel like this morning after this morning's service. I'm gonna take all that home this morning. Uh, a couple of announcements concerning school parent-teacher conferences are this Tuesday night from 4 to 7. So if you have a student in Community Christian Academy, uh, make sure you come and be a part of that. And then April 16th, that's a Friday evening. That's our school play. We are doing the Hiding Place. It's a kind of a World War II. Uh, um, if, if you're familiar with that book from Corey Tinboom, that's the one we're doing. And uh, tickets went on sale for that Friday after school, and those tickets are kind of sold on a first-come, first-serve basis. We rearranged the auditorium, and the sooner you purchase your tickets, the closer you are to the platform. So if you don't want to be in the coffee shop looking in through the back window, you need to get a ticket immediately. Those sell quickly, and they sell out. They're $10 a ticket. Uh, the 7th through 12th graders in Community Christian Academy are selling those as a fundraiser for a field trip that we're taking. Uh, Mrs. Frederick, Shelly Frederick will be outside on that new patio at one of those blue coffee or at one of those blue picnic tables. Stop by and see her or if uh, or, or high school students, I would recommend getting 
everybody. You need to poach some people as they're walking out the back there to get some tickets sold, all right? And then I think, let's see, I think I've got one more on there. Uh, nope, that's it. Covered them all. Amen. Hasn't today been good? Someone say amen. amen. Teen Formal is this Friday. Today's the last day that you can buy tickets for this. Fly me to the moon this Friday. I believe they're meeting here at 530. Is that right? So buy your teens tickets today for that as well. This Tuesday night, we've got our special Go and Tell Discipleship. If you signed up for that with Pastor, please be here at 6 o'clock. Actually, a little bit before that, he's going to get started right at 6 this Tuesday night. All right. Um, choir practices at what time today? Four o'clock. A little bit special for Easter, four o'clock today. And speaking of special choir practices, right after this service, I'm asking all of the adult choir to come up to the choir, uh, the, the, uh, the choir loft up here, along with all of our teenagers that attend our school. All of you, I'm looking at them. Oh, there they are. Okay, very good. All of you need to come up here to practice in children's church. If you have a child in children's church, go get your child and bring him back here. I want complete chaos at the end of church. Amen. You're going to get it. Amen. Uh, that, meant, that meeting that Brother Harry mentioned, that's for all of our workers. I want you to be there for that. Let me introduce some folks that have done a great job. Allison Rav, I think we've already introduced her. She's completed level one of discipleship. Uh, this is cool to me. Adam and Adriana right here, and they've completed level one of discipleship, and I'm so proud of you guys. And uh, Miss Jenny, uh, Brother, uh, Brother Chad and Miss Jenny, I think, are, are walking through them with that and are just excited for that. Praise the Lord. Uh, Jesse Barrett, Jesse, I see you. Complete level one as well. And then these two are pretty amazing right here. I'm pretty, pretty impressed. Uh, where's Delani at? Is she here? She's not here. She's in the nursery. She belongs in the nursery. And uh, Elizabeth, they've completed level two, and these are two of my girls. I'm so proud of them. And then Julianne Brown. Julianne, I think you're in the back somewhere. Julianne's completed level three, uh, level two. And uh, Julianne's getting baptized next Sunday, Easter, I believe. Nope. No, change our mind on that. Who am, I, who am I baptizing next Sunday? Oh, I knew somebody was baptizing next Sunday. I'm going to say that. And then... And when you talk to you guys, since I'm baptizing them, we ought to just have Adam and Adrian. We'll talk about that. And then Beth, Beth, I saw you back there. Completed all three levels. Let's give all these guys a big hand. What a blessing. Now tonight, tonight we have two, uh, three very important things. Number one, always have church at 6 o'clock. We'll have a brief service right at 6 o'clock. We'll just have a few moments together. I'm going to preach a charge. And then I have a meeting. If you've signed up for Disciples Making Disciples, we have a meeting tonight right before we go out. And then together as a church family, we will go out uh, after our abbreviated service and we will pass out invitations in our community for Easter. So 6 o'clock tonight, be in your place for that. So regular quick service. And then I have a meeting with Disciples Making Disciples. And then we'll go out into the community and pass out invitations. Let's all stand together. Brother John, band, give us some traveling music.
move right into our quick choir practice. If you're part of the adult choir, you can make your way up here with the contestant led song. Teenagers, make your way up to the choir law. Please, every one of you that I'm looking at, you cannot see. You cannot see. Even you, I see you. Come on up. If you've got children's church kids, please go get them and come back with them so we can practice together as a group. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Up. I can have all the guys in the corners, teenage guys in the corners. Go grab the music. Go grab the music. Uh, Nick, if you can grab the kids' music is in the basket on top of the choir. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, choir. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. You guys practice. One second. But that should be the corner. John, you're kind of. I kind of want the guys to be in the corner, so John and Tim, y'all can make your way down here in a second row. That's really the 